Would you open your Bibles to the book of Mark? Oh, wow, it's 11.50. If you're new around here, I just wanna give you a heads up. Uh, I'm not a skinny preacher, so I always know when lunch is coming. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to worry. You know what I'm saying? You've been around, you know this, but it's true. If you've got a skinny preacher, you've got to watch out because he ain't thinking about lunch. I've been thinking about lunch since yesterday, so I'm, I'm well aware of what time it is. That's why Furtick will preach for like hours. I, he's not hungry. I'm starving. Have you found Mark yet? Hey, while you're turning there, I want to read something to you. This is, um, I, I've shared this with Donna's permission. Uh, if you don't know Donna, and Troy Van Leer, they're a great blessing to our church family personally and to us corporately. And uh, she's an author, has written some great books, but she, she wrote this this week and um, I probably should get my laptop. Uh, she wrote this this week and it's, it's a reminder. I said, ask her with her permission, could I share this? Because it was a reminder of why we are doing this journey through Mark. She said, uh, thinking of this today, several years ago, I had lunch with a friend who said, I believe what Oprah believes, that there are many paths to heaven. My eyes filled with tears because I knew the truth my friend had heard growing up, but has since abandoned. And I said, Jesus, I said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Peter said, Jesus is the stone rejected by you. There is no salvation, uh, in, there's salvation on no one else. No other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And my friend paused and said, I'm just saying what works for me. I've never forgotten that exchange and still get tears in my eyes. Nowhere in scripture do you read, does that work for you? Or what do you think about that? And it's not about what Oprah believes or even what you or I believe, but about what Jesus said. He was either telling the truth or a lying, manipulative lunatic. Could you say a prayer for my friend? The reminder for us of why we're doing this study is that there's a lot of people in the world that have a lot of opinions about what Jesus did or didn't say. And in this room, you might have some of those very same opinions about what works for me but I'm gonna treat you like adults because we're all adults in here, well, most of us. But I'm gonna treat you like adults and say that you have to like, be honest with yourself of the, the belief that you're holding. And that's that if I believe that in a Jesus that said or did anything that's not represented in these four gospels, that that's not a real Jesus. I've made that up. Now that's, if you know that and you still believe it, that's, that's on you. I just wanna be clear that the reason we're teaching through this is this is the only place we know what Jesus did or didn't say. And you're right, he didn't ask whether it worked for me or not. He just said, this is it. And I believe that this is the word of God, that it was given to you, breathed by the Holy Spirit, inerrant and communicated to us in a way that we get to know what Jesus did and didn't say. And I would say that in our culture right now, that there are all kinds of us that have opinions and are building our lives, not on what Jesus did or said, but on what we believe, what we wanted him to say. And that's whether you're conservative or progressive, all sides of it, we have to go back to the Bible. What did Jesus say? And in Mark 1, verse 14, I'm feeling pretty good about this. We're on verse 14 and we're in week three. So we've, we'll probably be through this by, well, before Jesus returns, hopefully. <laughs> Did you find it yet? Verse 14, and John was put in prison. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, verse 15, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 
As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. And I'm gonna read you the NIV version. I've been reading the NIV since I was young. It's the nearly inspired version. It's close. And for the most part, you know, when they try to translate, it's, it's, they do great. But if you've got a King James or a New King James, this is actually the language that he uses. I will make you to become. Here it says, I'm gonna send you out to fish for people. I see why a translator might say that, but it's really clear in the Greek what he was saying. I will make you to become. It's this ongoing verb, like I will drive to Memphis. Like I am going to go, I'm driving to LA, this ongoing thing. I will make you to become fishers of men. And at once, verse 18, they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word today will be a light for us that we are encountering you today, Jesus, the real, live you. And that's the Jesus we want to follow. That's the Jesus that invited these four men to follow you and the Jesus that continues to invite us to follow you. We pray that that would become alive and real in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Did any of you guys participate in the, uh, the, the Facebook challenge? You know what I'm saying? The, uh, here's my original photo. Here's my new photo. Some of you are like, no, I, I got enough problems and I have to revisit that. But look, this, I, I, we participated in it. You know, I was uh, in the Facebook world a little early on because of the music business. If you want to talk about something to keep you young, just run around with 20-year-old bass players, right? That'll give you gray hair and keep you young at the same time. So this was my family uh, circa 2007-ish. My friend David Molnar, a uh, good photographer, took that photo. And, uh, and then, you know, look, 10 years passed and it was a, it's been a rough 10 years for us. I know most of you already saw that, but I thought it'd be worth showing in. And honestly, to acknowledge how many of y'all thought that that was actually me. Like, who's that woman behind Darren was the common refrain. It's really, it's actually sad. Like 30 years ago, looking like Alec Baldwin was a compliment. You know what I'm saying? I've changed a lot in 10 years, right? So have you. And a lot of us, we can look on the external and say that, man, I've changed a lot externally. You know, uh, there's a little more of me than there was back then. But what you can't see on the outside is that on the inside, man, things, I changed a lot in the last 10 years. You know, there's, there's this series of time. And, and those of you that have made it to my age of 47, don't you look back at 37 and think, man, I sure wish I'd have known this or that. And, and I'll bet that, look, when I'm 57, 58, I'm gonna look back and think, man, I sure wish I would have known that. You know, It's just the process of growing with Jesus on this walk. You know, that we're going to change externally, but internally that there's this journey that he says, that we, he would follow him on this journey. It wasn't to a place, it was to a path that we would follow him. And understanding exactly what that calling is, is of utmost importance to us. Because I would venture to say that 
some, maybe even in this room, you thought the call of Jesus was to uh, get saved, that grace was the starting point. And now there's this whole new set of rules and regulations and policies and procedures to follow. That do this now, you gotta do that and do. But the call of Jesus was not follow me and I will make you do. The call of Jesus was follow me and I'll make you become. And who you are becoming will do things differently. This Darren here does things differently than that Darren and for sure different than 20-year-old Darren. I mean, at that age, I was literally dumber than a bag full of hammers. Like I was 20. I mean, I look back and think, man, what was I thinking? And the short answer was, I wasn't. Uh, at 20 years old, the male brain isn't fully formed until you're 25. I don't know if you know that or not, but it'll explain a lot <laughs> when you look back on your life. The call of Jesus, follow me and I will make you become. And what that means for us in these few minutes that we have is that he's going to restore your identity. He's going to transform your reality and he's gonna reorder your priorities. Because as you are following him, what he is going to make you become is who you were created to be. Which is what he's, the, the idea of what it means to have your identity restored to you. You are a child of God in Christ. In, in the world that we're in, born into sin, born into a fallen world, the Genesis 3, between Genesis 3 and Revelation 21 is where we live. And that's a fallen world. But you were created and loved and pursued. He loves you just the way you are and he loves you way too much to let you stay that way. And what he wants to do is to bring you what he says here, repent, the kingdom of God is near. Repent just means I'm changing my mind. I'm think, I used to think this, but now I know this is true. And the good news, he says, the kingdom of God is new, near the good news, to make, that's what we gotta believe. And when we do that, our identity is restored as children of the king. We just sang that this morning, Jason. I'm a child of God. And I'm so glad that Jesus didn't come on the scene and saying, repent, I bring you good advice of how to do this from here on out. Because standing in front of good advice, how do you feel? when you've been suffering or you're struggling, whatever, and someone comes and gives you an advice, so here's what you should do, right? You feel like I got more work to do now and I'm never gonna do it. I can't do it right. We joke about it, but you know, one of the worst things that's ever happened in the modern day children's ministry was Pinterest. <laughs> because Pinterest told us all that, man, we gotta have our kids' bedrooms, crate and barrel and whatever those other pottery barn places we don't get to shop. Pier 1 Airport used to be good enough for us, but apparently that's not good enough anymore. But point being that we looked at that and that we want our homes to look like that. And so now, you know, this is a true story that when parents come into a church, they're looking to see, is it going to be nice enough for my kids? When we were younger, man, as long as you nailed it down and painted it some bright color, it was a children's room. And we were thrilled with that. But, but it's changed now in our culture. And look, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Pinterest, standing before a list of things that you should and shouldn't do is heavy and it's burdensome and it's not the call of Jesus. Amen. The call of Jesus, the reason it was good news 
is because he did it for us. The word good news is the Greek word evangelion, and I'm not, still not 100% sure I'm pronouncing that right. But it just was a, it was a decree. Something changed in history that is not the, diff, it's different now. From here on out, it'll be different. It is a life-changing, history-changing moment. He said, I've come to tell you the good news that the kingdom of God is near. And the kingdom of God is near. It came near us because we couldn't get near and boy, isn't that good news. And to restore in Christ, to restore your identity, you are a child of God. Behold, all those old things are all passed away. You're new in Christ. That's such a promise that we just take for granted, but it's true. Your identity of who you are is a child of God. And when you know that your identity is being restored, it begins to transform your reality. So repent, the kingdom of God is near. And then he gets to this boat and is after John was put in prison. Jesus went to Galilee. Uh, can we go to the next one? Sorry, Sue. I usually do those myself, but I was so far away from it. <laughs> Jesus walked beside the sea. He came to Simon and Andrew. I know, it's like so far, I'm exhausted. Come follow me. I'm going to send you out. I'm going to make you to become. Their reality would be different from there on out. That their life, not based on a list of do's and don'ts, not list, it's literally like they, that day, their reality was different. They stepped off of a boat and stepped into a new reality of what Jesus had for them. Now, when you read that initially, I don't know about you guys, but I look at that and think, man, if some guy just shouts to me from shore, I've never met before, come to shore, let's go, follow me. That's crazy talk. Who does that, right? And it might even make you feel guilty. Like, I wouldn't do that. I can't imagine me doing that. And here's the beauty. That isn't what happened. You see, Simon and John were disciples of John the Baptist. John 1.35, it says that. We know for sure that Andrew, sorry, did I say Simon? Andrew and John... <laughs> were disciples of John the Baptist. They had been with John the Baptist. They were the ones of John 135 that went to Jesus to said, should we look for another or is it you? This wasn't the first time they'd heard or met Jesus. In fact, they were fishing because John the Baptist was in prison, so they had some time on their hands. So you've got Jesus on the shore coming to people that already knew who he was, their brothers would have heard, they've been around John the Baptist as Jesus' cousin, like they knew who Jesus was. And, and I say that mostly because in a church like this especially, I mean, we are just cramming mission, right, into you every week. And we do that on purpose because Hebrews 10.24 says, when you come together, provoke one another to do good things. But I say that because where we're, you might think, well, I'm not going to Zambia like Bud. I'm not in Myanmar like Benny. Mary Lou, it's good to see you this morning. I'm not, but if God didn't call you to go there, that's actually okay. And he will prepare you that whatever reality he's transforming your reality into, you don't have to feel a burden that I need to go do this because everybody else is. The only thing you're ever gonna be held accountable with is what did you do with what I told you to do? See, just a, a few verses later and, and the, the disciples are gonna be on a boat and, and Peter's gonna get out and walk on the water. You know this story? And how many of you have ever been like beaten up with that one? Man, the other disciples... They, were, they didn't have any faith. They missed out. They didn't go. Don't miss out. If, you know, just leap onto the water. Those are great sermons, but the problem with the sermon is Jesus never called Peter to get out of the boat. 
He only, he just invited Peter. He didn't invite the other disciples out. Peter, come out on the water. If the other disciples that have jumped out of there, they'd have sung like a rock because he didn't ask him to. My point is just go where Jesus is calling you to do, transforming your reality. And the truth is, man, when you follow Jesus day in and day out in this identity of who you are, he is gonna change your reality. He's gonna transform you over time. Alex is with us this morning. He's been in Marine boot camp now for what is that, like 100 weeks of Marines? Like they're not screwing around. Yeah, Michaela's like, she's been gone years. Um, if you were to know Alex, and I've, I've just got to see him for a few seconds today, but Alex is gonna be a different person than he was 100 weeks ago because he's been transformed in his reality by following the, 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 the boot camp leader, which are called what? Drill sergeants. Drill instructors, Marines, they all got different language. When my daughter came out of the Navy boot camp, she was different. She had been transformed in her reality by following, not doing, but by becoming who she was becoming by following the leader and along the way. So my point is this, transforming, like when you, like I'm going to Africa on Tuesday. Shannon and I were literally last night, it hit me, oh man, I'm going to Africa this week. I gotta pack, like I gotta start planning. 2007, Darren, going to Africa? I was scared. I had a prayer team going. We were shopping. I was nervous as a barn cat. Like, oh, it's Africa. I watched Hotel Rwanda. Bad idea. <laughs> like Casablanca, good African movie. Don't watch Hotel Rwanda if you're going. But there was a transformation that's happened in me just by my reality being changed because my identity has been restored. And that process is every day you wake up following Jesus, you're a little less selfish, a little more selfless. You're a little less arrogant, a little more humble. It's this day in and day out process of what Eugene Peterson calls long obedience in the same direction. And in transforming you, the time that it takes, there are things along the way that can give you a shot in the arm. One of the reasons that I love taking people with me to other countries is it is, a, you could get more in seven days in Haiti than I can give you in 52 sermons in a year. God didn't call you to go, don't go. But there's something that happens there in a transformation of your reality becomes transformed with it. Shannon and I have over the years tried to do, in fact, Shannon goes this week, can I tell him that? She's going into an intensive this week, so... I go to Africa, she goes to an intensive, so it's gonna be my kids, pray for them. Yeah, um, but it's like working on your soul, like working, we believe in counseling and Christian-based, it's like there's no counseling and therapy in the Bible, but there's also no like, you know, surgery in the Bible, right? So we've learned things about that. And so giving yourself a tool and equipment to do that is not a bad thing. And in fact, uh, one of the things we did at one point, we, it was called Focus. It's basically this multi-day intensive. And I came out the other side with some really significant self-awareness of what God wanted to do in me. I've heard it said that God can't heal what you won't reveal, like being aware of what's in you. And Chris and Lisa Roman, would you stand up just so they can see you? Because not everybody's gonna know you. Okay, that is this coming March starts a three-day intensive. And what, how can they get to you? That's this week, Next Sunday night? Yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to be back here. Sorry, Keith. If you want to learn more about what we do, we would love to give you lunch next Sunday and, and just allow us to share our hearts and what God, the mission he has given us to help you find freedom. 
to transform your life and your true identity. Yeah. And um, that's how we're going to start it. We're going to do it for the first time here at Conduit in March. So, and they do this in Tulsa like every other every, month, right? Almost every month. Yeah. So, been doing it for 15 years. Yeah, so. it's what they do, and there it will ring you out like a chamois. But what comes out the other side of it is, oh no, I'm sorry. Well. <laughs> They already know if I've gone through it, it must be trouble. Um, pray about it. Again, God uses multiple things over the years. He's used multiple things in my life to transform my reality. So pray about that. They're gonna meet, they'll be standing in the back of the room, right by where Chris is standing right there after the service. So come and hang out with them, transform your reality. I don't make any money on that. This isn't a conduit thing. This is just something that we've seen that God has used in our life and it might be good for you as well. So prayerfully consider that. Transform your reality. And when that happens, you reorder your priorities. Things that were important suddenly aren't as important. When Jesus came to the boat, to Simon, to Andrew, to James and to John, it says they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. If you're going to follow Jesus, every one of us have a net or some net in our life that we're gonna have to drop. And you know how you know that net? When you say, I look, I'll follow Jesus if whatever's behind the if, that's who you're following. That's what you're following when it reordered their priorities. And by the way, it's a journey that they went on of reordering those priorities. Because these guys, just like you, just like me, followed Jesus for, at this point, three years, okay? They're following Jesus for three years in from this moment. The moment they stepped off of this boat till Jesus' crucifixion was a three-year period. And here's James and John. They called them the sons of thunder. They're brothers. Now their priorities, they, keep in mind, they've already, they've left everything. They left their nets. They've already followed Jesus, but there's still more work to do in them. And we know that about, we know that about Peter, don't we? In John, when Jesus is telling him this prophecy that one day you're going to be tied up and you're going to be led away. And, and what was Peter's response? But what about him? What about John? Why do I got to be like that? all of our lives, right? This journey of restoration, this journey of transforming our reality. But for James and for John, their reality, these are guys that left it all to follow Jesus. And here we are, it's in Matthew 20. You can go there later, verses 20 through 28. They're about to enter Jerusalem where Jesus is going to announce himself as the king. They know something's up. And what do they want? They wanna be at his right and his left-hand side when he comes into his kingdom. In their mind, their priority was to be at the front of the charge and to be rewarded and to be the, the power center of this thing that's about to come. And they were so confident about this, they had their mom ask him. Imagine the chutzpah, right? <laughs> mom, ask him, ask him, ask him now. And in Matthew 20, I love it because her name is Salome, right? Which is an Italian salted and cured meat. She, Salome is standing, and the way that Jesus asks her, it's almost like you, she's like just, you know, sputtering, just out with it, woman, what do you want? She says, okay, I'm gonna tell you what I want. When you come into your kingdom, on the day you come into your kingdom, I want my sons to be on your right and your left-hand side. And look, I read that and think, what kind of 
crazy people are these? And yet how many times have I said, Jesus, I'll do this if, this is what I want. And I want it to be, I mean, I never sat down across from an artist that told me that they had a vision of themselves playing in front of 12 people in a coffee shop. Their vision was, oh, I see myself on a stage for thousands of people. That's my priority. Their priority is the right and left-hand side. And Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking. Can they drink from the cup that I'm about to drink from? And it's funny because at that point they pop out. Yes, yes, yeah, we can, Jesus. Like they come out from behind mom. Yes, we can do it. And it was just a few days later, Jesus would be on a cross and at the foot of the cross was both of the Marys. It says that Salome was there. And so was John. We don't know where James went. The James of the Son of Thunder, when it got rough, he took a walk. But at the foot of the cross, Jesus, and there's a thief on the right and on the left-hand side. And at, at a moment of a conversation between Jesus and one of the thieves, he said, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Today I am coming into my kingdom. And Salome, it must have hit her like a ton of bricks. That on the day he entered his kingdom, on his left and on his right hand side, was what she had prayed for. Her priorities were wrong. When you pray that I will follow Jesus, Understand that sometimes it will end in death. And by the way, for James, John, Andrew, Simon, the day they stepped off that boat, they all signed their death warrants. They just didn't know it. Jesus wasn't holding out on them, by the way, I don't think. You think when we started this church that I knew we were starting a church? I thought we were starting a Bible study. Jesus wasn't holding out on me. He just knew that I wasn't ready for that yet. We joke about it, but it's true. Our MySpace page said, which is MySpace. Our MySpace page said, we're not a church, we just act like one. That's what it said. Remember that, LaFleur? <laughs> you a pastor? No. In fact, it was uh, LaFleur that first coined the, the joke that I was the bishop. <laughs> the bishop. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I just knew that we we're supposed to start a Bible study. And we're supposed to help some kids in Haiti. That's all I knew. And that's what we did. And as we knew, Andrew and Simon, we're just gonna follow you. It's the language of AA. Just do the next right thing. That's next thing in front of you. And reorderizing your priorities is no longer, I'm only gonna be a preacher if I can preach in front of thousands of people. It's, I'm just gonna do the next right thing. Jesus got a lot done with 12 people. One of them was a screwball, lying, cheating betrayer, and he still got a lot done. If your priority is the American dream that I'm only gonna do this if, just whatever's behind that if, I pray that you today will crucify that and put it all on the table. He may call you to Haiti, he may not. He may call you, but whatever he's gonna call you to, the next right thing is gonna be beautiful because your priority is now the kingdom, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when it's time, whatever the next right thing is, some of you, probably 99.9% .9 of the people in this room, maybe 100% will never have to face the decision of being martyred for him. But you know what church history teaches us about Andrew? He voluntarily went and said, I'm not even worthy to do it like this. Crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be like my savior. The, the Andrew that got off that boat would have never said that. But the Andrew that he became 
said it confidently. Peter would lead the church. That chicken, the guy that would just shoot his mouth at any point, finally became and transformed. Jesus loved him for who he was and loved him too much to let him stay that way. He transformed his reality. He reordered his priorities. And we're talking about him 2,000 years later because of it. Your prayers today. Put the, the Salome prayer over here and put your prayer in the middle that Jesus, I wanna follow you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, whatever that looks like. If it's just saying yes to Frankie in Haiti, I mean, that's enough. If it's just saying yes to making coffee, I mean, who says yes to that? I'll tell you who the Savage family <laughs> That's what Jesus led him to do. That's all we're asking. Just whatever the next right, follow Jesus into that, reorder your priorities. Follow me, I will make you become. It's not follow you, I will make you do. But who you are becoming will do exactly what he called you to do. And that's such a great gift. That's the gospel. The gospel is not. We're in an overchurched city that is under-gospeled. And the gospel is not that if I can just do this good, tithe, sit on the front row. Connor's always up here. It's under the spout where the Holy Ghost comes out, right? That, those are all amazing things. That's just not gonna get you saved. And by the way, the word saved, sozo, we do all these things. We aren't even thinking about eternal salvation. I'm just thinking about if I do this, then my life will finally be good. And that wasn't the promise of the gospel at all. The promise of the gospel isn't for those that think they're good enough that they don't need grace. It's for those of you that know self-identify is so bad that I won't make it without grace. The gospel is for you. There's room at the cross for all of us. The gospel is, I'm a sinner. We all are. And anyone can get in on this. <laughs> anyone can get in on this. Follow me and I will make you become. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Jesus, your call to us to follow you. <sighs> yes. Yes, we will follow you. Where you lead us, we will go. I'm so thankful that it's not just another set of rules and regulations. God, for those of us that are doing that, we're tired. It's exhausting. Your load is easy. Your burden is light. Lord, help us to follow you, to step into the unforced rhythms of grace. Lord, I believe with all my heart that in this room, some of us right now are coming alive with the gospel that it wasn't about me doing, it was about what you did. And because of that, now I can become who you've created me to be. What a blessing. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We're so grateful. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.